What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Harbaugh Harge. Welcome to another edition of Hanging with Harge. I'm your boy, Harbaugh Harge, and I'm representing the 254, but now I'm representing the 512. That's right. Make sure you follow us on all your social media platforms. You can follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram at Hardball Harge. You can also follow Texas Sports Unfiltered on Twitter. It is at TSU Unfiltered and on Instagram at Texas Sports Unfiltered. Make sure that you like, subscribe, and tell five friends to tell five friends. And if they don't have five friends, tell them however many friends they got to make sure they follow us because we try to bring you the heat. And if you want to be a part of the show, do not hesitate to hit us on our CODA text line, 512-222-9328. That's 512-222-9328. Let's get right into it. What's up? Uh, a lot has happened over the weekend. You know, we're still licking our wounds with this Texas football team as they took that L against Oklahoma in a great hard-fought football game. Coach Sark came out yesterday and had a little bit of time to reflect. And if you got a chance to watch the game again, I don't know why you would do that, but we have to because that's our job. And you will see a lot of missed opportunities during that time. Also, Sark went on his show, Rewind. He talked about the game and some of the things that they left on the uh, field and how they left a lot of points out there. We're going to focus on a lot of different things this week because it is a bye week, and the next game is the following weekend uh, against the University of Houston in H-Town, 3 o'clock game on Fox. But I want to get into uh, basketball. Also, I'm going to talk about Major League Baseball. The playoffs are starting, as you heard, with Wags and Chaos Theory with Rodney. You heard them previewing the Texas Rangers hosting the Baltimore Orioles. And then tonight, the Houston Astros travel to Minnesota to take on the Twins. It's going to be cold. My man Ike already said it's going to be like 56 degrees at uh, first pitch, which is, woo, that's going to be a little chilly out there, folks. going to be a little chilly out there. But I can't wait to get into this baseball because of the fact that you have two Texas baseball teams that are participating in the postseason that they still have a chance to go up against each other as we were possibly hoping. All right. With all that being said, let's talk a little bit about not the Texas Longhorns, but the Dallas Cowboys. And the reason why I want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys is where do they go from here? Oh, joining me in just a little bit, Carolina Teague is going to come on and she is going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. So I want to Talk a little bit of Cowboy football, but we'll talk about the Spurs and the NBA because Wimby Mania kicked off last night, and I'm sure a lot of Spurs fans are listening and wanting to find out what's going on in San Antonio. But I wanted to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, and I know a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans live in San Antonio. I think every Cowboy fan lives in San Antonio. But to me, I know one game does not decide a season, especially five games into a 17-game season. And especially with the demolition, they got demolished uh, Sunday against San Francisco. That was probably the best game that I've ever seen the San Francisco 49ers play. And they've won Super Bowls. They've done, uh, they've been in championships. They've participated a lot in these uh, high-powered football games. What up, Sal? What up, Chris? What up, Miss Becky? Uh, Icky Ike, what's up, man? 
But as I sit here as a Dallas Cowboy fan, you had a subpar performance by the offense. The defense got exposed. San Francisco was hitting on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. And like I said against OU, you got to give credit where credit is due. Kyle Shanahan, the offensive, the head coach and the offensive mastermind in the D.C., Steve Wilkes, went out there with the ultimate game plan to dominate the Dallas Cowboys. But the real question for me is what type of response will the Cowboys have? You can't, we've talked about it before, you can't let one game snowball into two games and so on and so on. Dak Prescott turned back into Apple turnover Prescott. And I told you guys the other day, I'm not going to defend it anymore, but I'm not going to beat him up because on all phases of the game, yes, he turned the ball over. I get that. And this is the thing that I want to continue to talk about. The O-line was horrendous. The wide receivers didn't help. There was no separation. And it's tough to make things happen. C.D. Lamb is having meetings with uh, Mike McCarthy because he's he's showing his frustration and he's not getting the ball. He's not getting open. He's not getting open. And the ground game isn't much better. Tony Pollard is not what we're needing in a big back because he's not that. Dowdle runs hard between the tackles, but you're not getting him the ball enough. We have my guy, Deuce Vaughn, that is there, that needs an opportunity that we aren't using some of the people that can make plays on the field. Big Max play calling seems to be subpar, and he's not taking uh, he's not taking good ideas from across the league to implement for himself because he still believes that his way is the only way which is kind of crazy to me when you start to think about it. And I went back and, you know, we got some great folks that cover the, the Dallas Cowboys. They're, they're in tune to everything that's going on on the field. They know what's happening behind the scenes and they're creating space for themselves. And I wanted to go back to this because my man, RJ Ochoa, blogging the boys, is he does a great job. And he posted the Dallas Cowboys possessions against the San Francisco 49ers. Punt, three and out. Second possession, three and out. They had a positive play, but Tony Pollard fumbled. They got the ball. They punted on a three and out. They scored a touchdown. That's the great pass that Dak had to um, Kevontae Turpin. Then they get the ball back and they go three and out again. So they punt. That's four three and outs before halftime. Four. And then they end the half with two terrible plays. They come back out. They get a field goal. You're thinking, uh-oh, here we go. Cowboys got a chance. Nope. They get the ball back. Interception. 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 Punt. And then turnover long downs. Now. Can you put all that on Dak? You could. You possibly could. But do you get the point that I'm talking about? And the Cowboys scored on an 11-play 
drive, 78-yard, 11-play, 78-yard drive. The other six possessions I just told you about. So we can't always just put everything on Dak if he's not getting help along the way. So when you start looking at this team, who are they? What are they? So the big, every I saw a report the other day, are they paper champions? I, I don't, you can't call them a champion because I don't even think on the paper they're looking good. So when you start looking at this, you go, the big picture is can this team rally? Team morale, they're pros. This should be interesting. Let's see what their leadership is about. When you take a butt kicking like that, you have to question everything and everyone. Did we do pregame right? Did we go through our, our keys and our, our cues on what we saw on film? Did we spend enough time on the film? Did they bring in different wrinkles and we weren't able to adjust? Did things that you saw on film not translate when you went out there? And if you're an athlete, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not an athlete and you break down a lot of film, you understand, too, that some of the keys may not have been what you thought they were, and they deceived you because that was just a straight-up ass whooping. You can say the same for the defense. Dan Quinn, I have a lot of faith in him. I believe that they're going to get this turned around. But Michael Parsons wasn't playing up to his potential. And remember, he was talking about, uh, we, got, we got the best defense in the world. We're going to be the number one defense in the NFL. No, sir. No, sir. You stop that now. And I know everybody got a show. Everybody got a podcast. All the players now got podcasts and things that they're doing. Cool. But, Micah, get back to that savage that we saw before. You Teams are running at you because they know – that you are not going to be able to take on those blocks. So the game plan moving forward is come at you. So be prepared for that. But I still have faith in Dan Quinn. The best defense in the NFL, though, is in San Francisco. That defense was all over the field. You know, when you were a kid or You've been driving down the street and you see that fire hose, not even the hose, the fire hydrant that's wide open. And it's just water just flying out. It is coming at a very high rate. That's what that defense looked like as they were attacking the Dallas Cowboys offense. The offense could not do anything. It was like they were unprepared for the speed of the game. And that stuff was very, very impressive to watch. So to me, I'm just curious to what the Dallas Cowboys offense is going to look like moving forward against a quality defense. Can they correct their offensive woes? I'm not sure. I'm truly not sure. Because the play calling from Mike McCarthy to where the play calling is across the NFL it's stressful, bruh. I'm stressed, bruh. I don't feel good moving forward. Now, I'll give my power rankings a little bit later. Cowboys are still in my top 10. I'm not giving up on them yet. But this week, 
They get to go see their ex-girlfriend. You know, you've been out before, fellas. Things didn't work out with a girl. And you like looking across the club. And all of a sudden you see your ex-girlfriend who was really, really fun, but a little cray-cray. Didn't understand the processes of things. That's what the Cowboys have on Monday night. They're going to see that ex-girlfriend, Kellen Moore, on the other side with Justin Herbert. And I guarantee you, if the Cowboys come in with that stale-ass offense this week, Kellen Moore is going to try to run it up on you. So, Dan Quinn, you better get your defense ready because they're going to try to run it up. Cowboys don't play until Monday night against the Chargers on Monday Night Football. So just know that on that other side, and if Cowboy faithful is going to be just that, it'll be a home game for the Cowboys in L.A. They have training camp out there, so you know there's going to be a lot of folks that are there. But all I'm telling you is this. You have to get this thing figured out, and you have to get it figured out pretty quick. You know what else you need to get figured out? When are you going to get a new car? You need to go over to Cobra Ford BK. That's right. Nestled on 42 acres in a beautiful hill country, Covert uh, BK has three state-of-the-art dealerships carrying seven brands. That's Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. And in addition to those seven brands, Covert Ford in Huddle is part of that family, and so is Ford Lincoln in Austin. Nobody beats a Covert deal, not now, not ever. Covert B-Cave has something for everyone. Covert B-Cave services all makes and models with 86 service bays throughout. So your, your wait time will be minimal. And of course, visit CovertBcave.com for the latest specials on inventory or just stop by and see him today. Go out there and see my boy, Marcus Washington. He's from K-Town, his son, Marcus Washington Jr. as well. And of course, Ira Clark. Just tell them Hardball Hard sent you out there and they will make sure they take care of you. And if you need something done at your home, what better way to get your home set up than audiovisual consultations? That's right. Sports are happening. We got NBA. We got MLB playoffs. We got NFL. This is the perfect season for you to get that home theater set up that you've been looking for for a long time. Audiovisual consultation and my man Tom McKay. All you have to do is give them a call at 512-255-8678 or go to avconsultations.com. I know everything is trying to get excited. It's that time. You may want to have you want to have a lighting set up. You may want to set up something around your pool. He's got you taken care of. Go to Tom McKay at avconsultations.com and they will make sure that you are taken care of. As we told you before, NBA basketball is right around the corner. And what better person than to talk about the Spurs and the NBA? Then my friend, Carolina T, you can figure this out. I want y'all to understand who she is. She is the host of her own show. It's called Sports, uh, Sports Host, uh, League of Her Own Podcast, excuse me. And she's also the Texas Wrestling Ring Announcer of the Year for 2023. She also write, is a writer for SportsAsToldByGirl.com. She is the one and only Carolina T. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, I'm excited to have you on the show. You and I have been talking about this for quite some time. We've been trying to get together. We've been trying to find a way to make this all work. 
And I was like, what better way than to get you on is right after Wimby Mania started last night in the NBA. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. It's it's the morning. I need to eat breakfast still. But other than that, I'm doing really good. I still have <laughs> my toast, everything. <laughs> I know, that's right. So tell me about what you saw last night uh, while you were watching this game, because I was following your tweets. I know you were getting excited about it. Everybody's been waiting for this matchup. And even though it's the uh, preseason, you got Chet Holmgren versus Wimby, Victor Wimbenyama, and you finally got a chance to see him on the court in a quote unquote game. What were your first thoughts? I mean, he was everything that I expected in them more. He played, he had 20 points in the game. He only played 19 minutes, which is understandable for a preseason game. I hope they don't utilize him too much in the preseason so he can stand out more later uh, during the regular season. But He's everything that we kind of expected and more really good on the offensive side. And Pop basically said that he wanted Wemby to just kind of be himself so he can see exactly what he needs to tweak as far as offense, defense is concerned. And that's basically a lot of what we saw. There was a lot of plays where he dribbled behind the ball, passed to Charles Bassey where he wasn't looking. And he made a lot of those type of plays that were not necessarily planned, but they were just off the top of his head. And I, I was really impressed with his overall play. Um, he did have some struggles in the, on the defensive side, but the Spurs overall, if you look at them last season and compare it to even last night's preseason game, the first half of the game, they really stood out offensively. And that's something that I took away from this game. The Spurs ordinarily, offensively, they don't, they haven't really had huge hot streaks or flashes so it was really good to see them coming out especially in the first and second quarter where they've had offensive struggles last season to just come out and just be dominant and have um 80 points in the first half so right. that was really good but of course also kind of a pattern to the spurs too the third quarter is where they have those defensive struggles and that's kind of where you saw that switch they only had 17 points in the third quarter which is ordinarily where they kind of seem to tend to fall down that slippery slope where they start losing the game. However, it was a really close game and I like what I see. It seems like they are way better this year as a team chemistry wise than last year. And I'm excited to see what's in the future. Yeah. I think a lot of Spurs fans were coming into last night's game with the high anticipation, still not trying, still trying to figure out what this team is going to be like. Now I know it's early and the uh, anticipation for everything is there. But coming off of last season and the way that they performed, you saw some moments where you thought this team was really going to push. They were really trying to make that move. But then everybody was like, wait, don't get too good because we're going to lose out on this opportunity to get this guy. But when you've been around this team for a long time and you've got a chance to see Pop up close and kind of figure out this man's mentality, can you ever figure out his mentality? No, he's kind of a tough egg to crack because when you're behind the scenes and you ask him a question, if you try to dig a little too deep, his answer is really straight and simple to the point where it's like you really can't figure him out. And I think that's kind of one of his things that's part of his game plan. It's kind of like when you watch any type of sport, if you give away too much, they're going to figure you out. And I, it's funny that you mentioned like some people wanted them to tank. Some of them wanted to be team playing. I was huge on team playing. I didn't want the Spurs to fail. And looking back, I should have been part of team tank. It was like a, <laughs> it was a civil war against Spurs fans. Um, they ended up getting Wemby just like they predicted. So uh, 
you can't really figure out Coach Pop and what his game plans are. And it's interesting because even as of last year, uh, you saw him play with rotations and you were always wondering, like, why did he take out Keldon when Keldon was on a hot streak? Why did he take out uh, Doug McDermott when he was on a hot streak? Are they purposefully tanking? And we could never really seem to determine that. Um, maybe there it was part of a master game plan to tank for Wemby. But it wouldn't surprise me if during the regular season this year, we see a lot of that similar type of game style where we don't understand why somebody might be performing really well and Pop takes them out. But it could be because if there is a playoff stretch, we don't know what Pop's game plan is to see what rotations work best. Because last night when Victor Wembanyama was in the rotation, they played really well offensively and defensively. It was when he was taken out is when those struggles started to occur. So um, we might not see a lot of that with Wemby this season, but who knows? So it's, it's exciting. And also um, I want to point out too, that we also wanted to know as people who follow the Spurs closely, where would pop put Victor Wembanyama? Is he yeah. going to put him at the five? Is he going to put him at the four? And I was more so guessing that he would be more of a powered forward than he would be a center and have somebody like Zach Collins on the center. Last night when you saw that, it, it worked really well. So me personally, I like Victor Wimbenyama at the power forward uh, situation, especially when you have big players like Joel Embiid in the league and um, just large players much bigger than him at center. It'd be make, it would make more sense to have him at the four. So I'm excited. We're talking to Carolina Teague. You can make sure you follow her at a league of her own podcast. She does an amazing job. She's all over the place. She's a ring girl. She's done so many great things. So quick question for me. You know, as I look at this roster and the way it's being constructed, there's so many different options. Obviously, Trey Jones is going to be the point guard. You still have Devontae Graham. I actually saw Devontae Graham a couple of weeks ago. He was here for the Kansas game as they played Texas. But you start looking at this team and Keldon Johnson, who is is coming into his own. But somebody just got a big payday the other day, Devin Vassell. He's a guy that I've always been kind of fond on because he's one of those streaky type players. What can we expect from him this season? I think he would be incredible on the defensive end. He's always been that defensive piece, especially last season, uh, to bring the Spurs exactly where they need. When Keldon and Devin were on the floor last year prior to Keldon getting sick, then Devin having his injury for a while, they were winning, and they were on a winning streak. So I think people tend to forget that part of the season where they were winning as a collective when both of those players were on the floor stacking up against one another or stacking up on top of each other as far as the rotation is concerned. So Devin brings a beautiful piece to the game for the Spurs on defense. So maybe when Victor Wimbenyama is not necessarily on the floor, Devin can come out and relieve some pressure. But another defensive sleeper on the team who we saw last night with 12 rebounds is Charles Bassey too. He's also had his flashes of greatness when it comes to the defensive end. And that's where the Spurs kind of struggled in the league was on the defense. So I'm looking forward for the defense to be drastically improved, especially with Pop as a defensive-minded coach. Uh, who's to say that they're not going to improve? I have no doubt in my mind that they will. So let me ask you this, Jeremy Shohan, everybody knows him. He's got the crazy hair. He's kind of seems to be taking Wimby under his wing and kind of keeping him along. I don't know how I feel about that if I'm if I'm dealing with that, but I do like Shohan. I thought when you guys got him, he was a, a vital piece of what 
Pop looks for in those types of players and what he wants to fit into his offense. But tell us a little bit about him. Everybody in the Big 12 knows who he is because of his time at Baylor. But what has he has he shown you uh, being with the Spurs right now? He's shown us uh, when we watch him throughout the season that he could be good on both offense and defense, but he's more so stronger on the offensive side. I'm hoping for him to improve on his defensive side as well. And for me to see him as a starter, it doesn't surprise me. He's played really well throughout the season, been consistent, and he's really aggressive and gritty on the floor. And I like seeing that side of Spurs players. Uh, Him and Zach Collins are really good as far as, really fighting and struggling to get the ball back for the offensive rebound. So I'm expecting more of that, just him developing as a defensive player and um, developing his one-handed free throw. So <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for him to do the Rick Barry, the underhand free throw. We'll see if that's next. But I want to ask you this too. What When you're watching this team, and I know it's still early, what are some of the names that Spurs fans are going to come to enjoy uh, just from some of the stories that you've heard and what they've been doing about at practice? Oh, that's a really good question. I am, I, I like all of them. So, of course, obviously, Wemby's the obvious. Yep. Heldon, I think, should get a lot more recognition than he does. Uh, he's been criticized really harshly, but you, even if you see him in the offseason, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. Mm-hmm. And not only that, people don't give an, enough credit for being an amazing three-point shooter. And so even on improving offensively is somebody that I think that people should keep an eye out on because, like I said, I think he was unfairly criticized last year, and I can't wait to see his improvements. Another person is Charles Bassey. He's, like I said, a silent sleeper when it comes to defense on, as well. So I think Spurs fans will be excited to see Charles Bassey's development. Um Devin coming back, being fully healthy now, Victor Wimbenyama. And also, I want to give a little bit of recognition to Doug McDermott, too. Uh, I don't think he's been praised as much as he should be for being very consistent coming off the bench as a three-point shooter. And when he comes on the court, I trust him with the ball when it comes to shooting a three. And he did really good last night, too. So let's not forget about Doug McDermott as well. I like that. I like that. So somebody close to us, obviously we just talked about the big 12 Serge Jabari rice. Um, We've been anticipating him getting an opportunity. I know it's, he's more likely going to be here in Austin playing for the Spurs. I think that's where he's at, but do you see him as a player that can come up? Cause he's, he's unbelievable defensively. I think he's underrated on the defensive end. Everybody knows about his shot fake and how he can get people to elevate quickly. But I know that they picked him for a reason. I think he may help come be, have an opportunity to come up and help the Spurs at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I Knowing the way that Pop plays, more than likely he will be on the Austin Spurs for a while. We didn't see much of him yesterday either, but he's really good from the three points and he has a strong defensive presence as well. So for me, I would see Greg Popovich utilizing him in case somebody were to get injured. That's where I see him having an impact on the team is if they need somebody, if somebody is struggling as far as injuries are concerned. I would hope to see him a little bit more, but I think when we do get to see him, we're going to see flashes of how good he is on the defensive end of the ball and from the three point. 
Man, thank you so much for dropping that knowledge on your San Antonio Spurs. Tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find your podcast. So you can find me everywhere. I'm on TikTok, <laughs> Carolina Teak Sports, and Twitter at Carolina Teak underscore. I think I'm going to change my handle to Carolina Teak Sports. I think it just makes more sense. And yeah. also um, on Instagram, too, at Carolina Teak underscore. And I'm going to be all over Texas. I do shows in Austin for wrestling, too, by the way. I know that's your neck of the woods. I'll be mm -hmm. over there, too. I'm making my debut in Houston soon. Dallas, I'm doing shows out there. And, of course, in San Antonio. Uh, plus, you'll see me around at some boxing events. So I'm all over the place. And I need to slow down because I'm going to. I saw you in Vegas with my boy Q. He brought you out there to do some stuff. So I see you making your rounds, girl. That's how you get it. That's how you get it. So I'm you proud know, of you. I appreciate you. And as the season gets closer, I will definitely have you back on. We'll continue to have you to represent San Antonio and getting everybody with their Spurs fix. I can't thank, thank you. you enough and I'll see you soon. It's an honor to be on a platform. You do such an incredible job and represent the state of Texas well. So it's always a pleasure and anytime. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. There she goes. My girl, Carolina Teague. She does unbelievable work, and she will keep you up to date. Make sure you follow her on her social media. She will let you know everything that's going on in San Antonio for making things happen. Once again, I'm your boy, Harbaugh Harge. Thank you again for hanging with, hanging with Harge. Make sure you want to be a part of the show. I see a lot of people checking in right there. Be a part of the show and hit us up on the code of text line, 512 222-9328 and also follow us on our social medias at TS Unfiltered on Twitter and at Texas Sports Unfiltered on Instagram. I want to give a shout out to the great folks over at Four Roofs TX, the number four roofs TX uh, com for all your roofing needs. Texas has crazy weather at times from hail, high winds and heavy rains. And I know a lot of people don't even think about getting their roof checks. Now is the time to do it. Perfect time. The weather's cool, so they're going to be really happy with you. But just do yourself a favor and go to the number 4roofstx.com. Whether it's commercial or residential, they will make things work for you. They've got over 15 years of experience, affordable pricing, and a quick response time. They are thorough and very trustworthy. I use them for my home, and my neighbors have used them too. I know them personally, so you won't be disappointed. I can promise you that. They provide on, they can provide an on-site project manager on every job to make sure it is smooth. I know Round Rock got hit pretty hard. Don't hesitate. Give them a call at 512-520-5884. That's 512-520-5884. Or just go to the number 4roofstx.com. As we continue the show, I want to talk a little bit about the Texas Longhorns. I don't want to really bug people about the Dallas Cowboys anymore because that can get sad. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Sark's pressure yesterday and what he was able to, to uncover after he had another opportunity to watch the game. It was a tough go for the Texas Longhorns as they had they took it on the chin. And they've had they had opportunities to make some plays during those games, and they just didn't get it done. And Sark met with the media yesterday and he was talking a little bit about everything that was going on when he was thinking about the red zone offense. 
As you know, I told you yesterday, they've had 24 trips into the red zone and has only had 11 uh, scores, 11, excuse me, touchdowns during that time. And that was one of the things that you, as the seasons go on, you realize certain things need to happen. And you get those opportunities in the red zone, you got to punch those things in. And so when Sark was asked on how he plans on fixing those red zone problems, he said they had to get back to work. The first first aspect of it is, you know, we've already watched every series and every snap we've had all year in the red zone. Uh, we watched it in sequence of how it actually has occurred in game. We watched it by concept, the different concepts that we're running. Uh, and then ultimately it's, okay, what are we doing to make sure that we're putting our players in the best position to be successful? Um, Sometimes a, a, a new style of scheme is in their best interest predicated on what we're getting. Sometimes it's doing what they know really well so that they have answers to the whatever look they could get from a defensive perspective. So there's a lot of levels to that. Then it's looking at the play caller and the sequencing of how I'm calling those plays. Uh, but we're drilling down on it to every level. That's what the bye week is, is really good for. You have more time to do that type of stuff. Um, and I, I feel very comfortable in the fact that we'll have, a, we'll have a good plan in the second half of the season for the players. Um, because like I just told the staff, we're moving the ball too well offensively right now not to have more points on the board. And so we need to be, we need to be more effective in the red area for sure. And he's right. Texas outscored, I mean, out, uh, had more yards than Oklahoma did in the game. Texas has continued to have more yards than any other team that they're playing with, playing against in any game. So he's 100% right. And I'm glad to the fact that he just said that they went back and looked at every possession when they were in the red zone in trying to figure out what's next. I said it yesterday. They ran a whip route the other uh, last year in a crucial, crucial situation. And I haven't seen it this year at all. That was the game right there where you could have pulled that out. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Because you have had success previous years in that situation. You've dialed up some awesome plays. We've all talked about your scheme. It's just a matter of making sure that Joe can execute. And again, Sark, I'm not blaming you for any of this. Because everybody's got to perform. They can't miss blocks in the B-gap. They got to make sure that they hold their responsibilities. They have to be precise in what they do. But you're the head of the sphere. So you got to take this and get it figured out because you're the offensive coordinator. I mean, let's call it what it is. You call the plays. And I needed to see you in your squat like a catcher. That means you're in your bag when we see that. So I need to make sure that we continue to watch those things and see what they can do within these two weeks to make sure that, hey, they execute that. There's some big plays that are left out on that field. A lot of points that are being left there that I know you know it, so I don't have to beat it down. We'll see it adjusted. We'll make those things. But it was interesting to me that there was a question that was being asked. If he Two questions. Number one, what was the play calling on the goal line? It was a Q&A. And then I'm going to go right into what would you have changed if you would have changed anything on those play calls. The, the four tries from the one. That uh, sucked. 
Yeah. <laughs> is is that, a, do you see that as a, a toughness issue, and did you no. just felt like you should have been more creative there? Uh, I, no, I don't think it was toughness at all. Um, you know, the, the, the first down play, you know, their, their kid makes a, a really nice play. He kind of shoots the gap and, and gets into to Jonathan Brooks's legs. Uh, the second down call, um, that was the sequencing of those two calls that I knew I was going to go with there. Um, and it, the edge, just we just don't get enough of the edge, and we get the ball down to the one again. Quite frankly, if I could do it all over again, I would have changed the third down call. Um, I might have ran what I ran on fourth down, on third down, um, which I don't know if that's creative enough or not, but I probably would have done that on third down and then gone to something a little bit different on fourth down. So, uh, you know, I we call it stubborn, whatever it was. You know, I went back to the first down call on third down and, and obviously not effective enough. And I'd love for us to execute it a little bit better than we did, but um, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. And so, um, but, yeah, it sucked. Yeah. And I love the fact that he brought that up and said that it sucked. Because for us as fans that are watching it and understanding the opportunity that was in front of you, it was very disheartening, especially when you're on the one foot line. That is the part that hurt. And I didn't like the fact that he was that the question was posed to him, was it a toughness issue? I don't ever question that part, ever question that part. I know these kids are out there busting their tail every single day, trying to get better, trying to still have their goals in front of them, and they've talked about it, and it's still right there. But when you sit there and you look at it, and you're like, damn, got to get that one in, especially when you know it's this part of the game. You got to get that done. And then Sark was asked, would he have changed anything? And let me know what you think about the sense. Oh, I would have handled it, that, that drive, exactly the same. Um, you know, the first down call – we had an RPO call, which my fault. This is the, the, the call for clock management. They had to make sure that they got everything done. You know, we had been effective with the RPOs during that drive um, and had been really effective all day with them. And, you know, the, their safety did a good job. Quinn kind of got stuck in the middle of pulling the ball, and then the, the window wasn't there for the throw, and we took a sack. And so at that point, now in my mind, where we were really trying to go score and make that the last possession of the game, what I felt like was really important was we got to make sure we get a field goal out of this uh, because we were playing second long football. Um, and so we threw kind of a bubble screen to Xavier, um, which put us in a third and long. Uh, and then coming off that third and long, I, I knew just where Burt was at. I watched pregame. I knew exactly kind of what we needed to get to. Um, and so the, the yard marker was really critical for us to, to get the lead in the game. Um, you throw a pass, it's incomplete. Now you're out of field goal range. You can't make that kick from there. So predicated on the defense they were out there, I, I wouldn't have changed a thing as it pertained to that drive. And he's, he's right. He's confident in what he was saying and how he was going about it. I can't blame him for that. He did what he needed to do, and, and he understood what the situation was and how it needed to be handled. And I like this from my man, Miguel Angel, Angel Diaz. Sark is taking stuff personal, it sounds like. I like it. 
That's right. It's a rivalry and it needs to be treated as one. And that is what ended up happening to be able to get that done. So I'm, I'm fine with his answers this week. And by the way, I just want y'all to know he was very open, honest, and let everybody answer questions, ask questions. So it was a great, great meeting and a great conversation with Sark and how he went about it is perfect. But I'd be remiss if I didn't let you hear the opening statement of how he felt after the game and when he went back and watched all of these uh, potential game-changing plays during that time. Obviously, the turnovers were a factor, not not necessarily because of the points that came off of it. I thought our defense did a great job of minimizing three turnovers to only seven points. But those are momentum plays, right? They, they create momentum for you uh, when you can generate them. And so three to nothing in turnovers was an issue. Um, the nine penalties were an issue because that was, that's out of character for us. You know, I think we're averaging just about four penalties a game. And, and to have nine in the game, uh, the pre-snap penalties uh, were an issue. Um, obviously, the unsportsmanlike conduct after the block punt, uh, you know, roughing the punter, uh, which in turn they end up scoring on that drive. So those were, those were issues in the game. Um, you know, three red zone trips for us to, to only come out of those, those three trips with three points, uh, quite frankly, is probably the, the biggest deciding factor in the game. Uh, you know, because, you know, our ability to move the ball wasn't in question, but our ability to, to put the ball in the end zone was. Um, and then conversely, they have six trips into the red area and they score 34 points. Uh, so if you just look at it that way and do the math, um, that, that was an issue. Um, Obviously, the end of the half and end of the game defense, you know, our inability to get stops there uh, were, were issues in the game. You know, five sacks uh, that came a variety of ways, you know, putting us behind the chains offensively were, were hurt. Uh, and then conversely, not having very good rush lanes on our end to allow uh, their quarterback to move in the pocket, move up in the pocket, keep his vision was a factor as well. Yeah. Yep. I dig it. I love the fact, I love the honesty, and I love the fact that he has uh, really taken the ownership of this situation. And that's, that's, that's why I respect him in the way that he's gone about his business. Somebody else that I respect in the way that they go about their business is my friends over at Pest Wranglers. Go to pestwranglers.com for all of your pest control needs. It's a locally owned company that is a small family business that's been around since 2006. It's Basic principle of great customer service leads to happy customers. The company was started by an owner, by the owner, excuse me, who was tired of companies that didn't know how to treat their employees or their customers with respect. If you know if I'm working with them, they must be doing something right. Pest Wrangler services most of the Central Texas area. If you're in need of help with mosquitoes, termites, rodent control, or you need inspections for your residential or commercial properties, Please give Pest Wranglers a call at 512-670-7808 or go to the website at pestwranglers.com. Pest Wranglers won't make you sign a contract because they believe if you're a happy customer, you're not going anywhere. They got five-star ratings on Google, Yelp, Angie's List, and all referral sites. Once again, give them a call at 512-670-7808 or go to the website at pestwranglers.com. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about baseball. That's right, folks. The Texas Rangers will be playing baseball today, uh, this afternoon. And, oh, no, no. Wait a minute. I think they play the late game. I don't know. The Rangers play today, and so do the uh, Astros. The Astros will be on the road as Christian Javier will be taking on Sonny Gray. Christian Javier needs to come out and have a damn good game today. He hasn't had success here lately. He's got to mix up his pitches and do some things different. Sonny Gray, he was part of the game against Toronto where he was out there pitching his tail off, and they were making some great plays behind him. So this is going to be a huge, huge matchup. I think today the person we need to be paying attention to is uh, Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa and Max Klepper are two guys that are looking forward to these games. I told you before the playoffs even started that Max Kepler was somebody that was going to be a factor for them. And for me, you start looking around at, at, at these teams and the opportunity. Um, before we went to break, before we switched and transitioned uh, between chaos theory and hanging with Harge, we were talking about the mentality of a team that has been here and one that has not been here. And that would be the Texas Rangers. I mean, excuse me, the Houston Astros going into this situation and seeing what's happening in the postseason before is nothing new to them. They've been a part of this. They've seen it all happen. Yeah, the Astros play this afternoon at three, first pitch 307, and the Rangers play tonight at 703 first pitch. But as we were talking about, they are experienced. On the other side, you look at this is the first time that Minnesota has won playoff games to even be in this situation in, in 18 games prior to winning the two games in the against the Blue Jets. Now they're sitting here going up against a juggernaut that plays better on the road in the Houston Astros than they do at home. They were a sub-500 team on the road and now, I mean, at home, and now the Astros are 51 and 30 on the road. That's what it's all about. And as my man Ike said, <clears throat> the defending champions play at 307. And Miss Becky told me that the Rangers game is at 705. I should know that. I did have that, but I was over here talking about so many other things. It slipped my mind. So I apologize. I am hardball harsh, ladies and gentlemen. My bad. But as I sit here today, I sit here and look at this matchup. Christian Javier, who has been in these situations before, he needs to have good stuff today. He needs to keep uh, the Twins' bats at bay because this you, you will believe that their fan base is going to be excited. They're not used to this stuff. This has been a moment, right? They're ready to see it. And the Astros are coming into town. Carlos Correa is getting them all fired up. Carlos Correa actually has been having a damn good uh, postseason, as he always does. Ike, you can you can vouch for that. That's how you got some of them rings that you got in H-Town. So this is going to be a fun matchup. Again, it'll be in Minnesota, 307, first pitch, and I can't wait to see it. I think it's on Fox as well. I do know that. Uh, going back to this other division, you sit here and you think about the Texas Rangers and Nathan Uvalde. Nathan Uvalde was picked up for this reason. He's got postseason experience. He won the World Series before. He's got a ring for uh, the Boston Red Sox. He's pitched in 12 postseason games. And this is an opportunity for them to play at home, close out at home, and move into 
the ALCS. This is what it's all about. This is why you went and got this guy. Now you wanted him to be with Jacob DeGrom and Jacob DeGrom ended up getting hurt. So you already know what that situation is about. So now you're sitting and you're thinking to yourself, what is next for this team? You think about those, those bats in that lineup for the uh, Texas Rangers, but across the way, the Baltimore Orioles trying to, trying to win games and trying to get back to Baltimore so they'll have a chance to play in front of their home fans. This is going to be tough to win in Arlington. I will tell you that. There's that home field advantage. I know Texas Ranger fans. Think about where they've been for the last couple of years as well. And now they have an opportunity to get a chance to go to the ALCS. I cannot wait for these types of, of playoff games. This is what October baseball is all about. And so the Rangers will take it on tonight. It'll be a great matchup. Uh, I expect the Rangers to go ahead and, and sweep this, but I do believe that the Orioles will be out there fighting and they will fight to the very end. But I would be remiss if I did not bring up last night's epic, epic baseball game that was played in Atlanta. Now, I will bring up the Dodgers. Dodgers, they got their backs against it, and we've seen this happen with the Dodgers before. But when you look at what happened last night in Atlanta, the electricity that was there after my man, I told you, Zach Wheeler, I told you guys yesterday, Zach Wheeler was that dude. He was an absolute monster for seven innings. Six and a third, excuse me, for six and a third. He struck out 10 batters yesterday. Struck out seven of the first nine batters that he faced. And it looked very bad for the Atlanta Braves. Fast forward to the seventh inning. Travis Darnot, home run. Austin Riley in the eighth. Off of Hoffman, getting the breaking ball to put him ahead. And then the unbelievable play by the center fielder, Mike Money Harris, excuse me, Michael Money Harris, the second, playing center field, goes up against the wall, doing his best Ken Griffey Jr. impersonation, or since we're in the ATL, Andrew Jones impersonation, comes up, Bryce Harper, digging around the bases because he didn't believe that there was any way that Michael Harris Jr. was going to be able to get to that ball, and rightfully so. He makes a great play. Bryce Harper's too far around the bag at second. He has to come back touch second, and he's racing back to first. They make a hell of a strong throw in to first base, I mean, into the infield, gets by all the infielders, which is crazy to me because I'm still mad at Ozzy Aldiz the second baseman, he should have got that ball. He, was, he wasn't prepared, and he wasn't in a position to do so. But you know who's there? Mr. Home Run himself, Austin Riley, to make an unbelievable, epic play in the outfield, which was outstanding, by the way. And it was very impressive for them, the Atlanta Braves to go out there and win. Max Fried didn't have his best stuff yesterday. 
He was uh, he only went four innings. His curveball was unbelievable, kept Bryce Harper off balance, but he just couldn't find that strike zone consistently with his fastball. He was dealing with a blister. But like I said, Wheeler was throwing absolute missiles all over the place, pitching well. But it was a great, great ending to a walk-off game, um, walk-off finish in a big, big-time game. Bryce Harper was flying around those bases. And you're supposed to go to the base, FYI, just for all those kids that are listening out there. Fly ball deep to the outfield. You get to the base, and you wait to see if it goes to the ground. If he catches it, you round. If he catches it, you're going back to first base or whatever base you're on, and then you can go back. They messed that up. Bryce Harper will tell you he was playing hard. That's all. It, that's all that matters. I mean. He knows Bryce Harper's done great things, won World Series before, and he's a big-time player. So when I saw that, it was huge on the base running. That was amazing to me. But the play was Austin Riley backing up and still being able to make a strong, effortless throw. Like he was anticipating that. And he saw it, made the throw, doubled up Harper on first base, game over, and what an unbelievable finish. After the game, y'all know that I've had Chipper Jones on this show uh, a couple times to talk about the playoffs and the Atlanta Braves. And I texted him right after the game, and all he could say was, because he knew his team was up against it. And I told you, the Phillies are a team that is tough, tough. Now they go on the road. Now they go to Philadelphia. Those fans um, – if you've ever seen Philly fans in any sport, you know it ain't what you think it is. Those folks are crazy. And they they know that their team needs them. So you best believe it is going to be a wild, wild scene in Philadelphia tomorrow as they continue this series. But the Braves are 1-1. One one. The Dodgers, 0-2. 0-2 at home. And uh, that upstart Diamondbacks team has – they got this team on the ropes. And here's why they have them on the ropes. When you got a guy who is a potential MVP in Mookie Betts, who I'm a big fan of, that's batting zero in the playoffs. And you got Freddie Freeman, who is another potential MVP, batting 167. And they've been up in situations to try to drive in runs in both games of the series. And they haven't had that happen. It isn't that fun right now for them. They're having a hell of a time trying to figure everything out. But that team over there in uh, Arizona, my man Corbin Carroll, rookie of the year, told you that too, has played the the best baseball for a leadoff guy and a guy that isn't been in these situations for a very long time in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. I know my man Greg Swindell is just losing his mind right now. I might try to get Swindell on tomorrow, as a matter of fact. We'll see if I can get him on to talk a little bit about this. But what we've seen from them has been exciting. And then you got the old guy, Evan Longoria, that's out there getting these young guys to play at a very high level. So it's been really, really fun to watch these playoff games. I know Dodger fans. This is kind of like the same story that you've seen before. And my question to you, if 
if the Dodgers are swept or don't even make it to the championship round, is it time for Dave Roberts to go? I know, knee-jerk reaction, knee-jerk reaction. I kind of get it, but eh, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, thanks again for joining me today on another edition of Hanging with Harge. We had a great show, Carolina Teague. Make sure you go and check her out on her social media. It's at Carolina Teague at uh, underscore, excuse me, at Carolina Teague underscore. She does great work there in San Antonio. She also does wrestling. She does boxing. She she covers the whole gamut. Uh, we will have more conversation this week. I will still be breaking down the Texas Longhorns game against Oklahoma. I'm going to try to put it past me because uh, Sark talked about it. You can't let two of these games play into the same part and lose the next one. Good thing it's a bye week. They got time to get people healthy. I was talking about the injuries earlier. They have a lot of injuries, so this is going to be an opportunity for them to get healthy. Uh, we'll have more on the playoffs. I didn't get into the NFL tonight because I'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow today, excuse me, because I'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow as we head to midweek. I will reach out to Greg Swindell to find out if he can come on with us because he's a former Diamondback. He won the World Series there. I am going to have Josh Sandler on Sandler on tomorrow to talk about the Texas Rangers and what they hopefully they get the sweep and he will come on and talk about what's next for them and the excitement that they have all that and more as always you can find it right here at Texas Sports Unfiltered I am your boy Harbaugh Harge and don't forget don't believe everything you see cuz even salt looks like sugar peace coming up next right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered is the one and only BK, but you know, he will be with Trey as well. BK, man, how you doing, buddy? You're talking to Jared Sandler tomorrow? Yeah, man. I'm sure he's probably one of your buddies. Yeah, you stole one of my guests for later. Oh, well, then, hey, take him. No, that's all right. That's no, all right. Another, hey, you know, I no, know a hey, couple hey, people. Just because we're both Jewish doesn't mean we can only <laughs> hang out with other Jews, all right? We could spread the love. I knew that's where you were going to go, my brother. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going to go. Because nah. the thing was, he wanted to come on today, but he ended up having to go to a uh, funeral, mm. so he wasn't going to be able to do it. So I tried to rearrange some stuff and and get some other people on. So now, nah, hey, talk to him, man. I'm excited to hear that conversation, and hopefully, y'all are talking about a, a three game sweep and the Rangers getting ready for a date with the Astros or the Twins at some point in a couple of days. Well, I'm hoping it's a date with the Astros, just so. All of Texas can be in a frenzy because oh. you know both fan bases. They're, they're, those fan bases are like Texas and Oklahoma. They just don't get along. No, they don't. And there'd be <laughs> a lot of trash talk going into the series, a lot during the series, and yes. a hell of a lot after because OU fans have been relentless since that <laughs> game ended on Saturday. You know that's how it's going to be for the uh, the winning fan base. If and they have every that. right because – Oh yeah. Texas fans had 49 nothing for a whole year. Now you got to look at this one as well. Hopefully, hopefully we only have to deal with this one for 2 months. There it is. There it is. I like that answer, brother. Plan. Great show today, Hart. Thanks. Appreciate y'all.